0: Thought Leaders, Storytellers and Griots, sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week.
1: Last week, I had the opportunity to go to the launch of a report which looked at the costly impact, the economic impact of gender-based violence. It was launched at the Johannesburg Stock Exchange together with a variety of partners. And uh, on the line, we have Tiki Barnard of the Shared Value Africa Initiative. She's the CEO and founder and really the driving force behind the report. Tiki, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Good morning Michelle and good morning to your listeners and uh, thank you for inviting me to come and, and speak to you on this Sunday morning.
1: Well, How are you? We all have to <laughs> we have to say uh, good morning to you that uh, you were prepared to wake up on a Sunday morning so early. So there we go. Tiki, yeah. if we look at the report um, and it was mentioned at the event uh, a few days ago. The fact that we are now having to look at the economic impact of gender-based violence, it leaves me feeling cold, actually, because one th- one would think that just the issue of gender-based violence as an issue should be enough for it to be stopped, for it to stop, and the like. And yet that appears not to be the case. Sadly, so, um, Michelle, uh, gender-based
0: violence is persisting. And it's actually increasing. You just had to look at the newspapers in the last couple of weeks about what happened. I think that the, the perception of uh, you know of our citizens and our people out there that gender-based violence is a social issue only—that is not true because it is a business issue as well. So it affects the economy. Gender-based violence. Imagine if you if you have to go to work after you've gone through a session with your partner, you know, from a, a violence perspective, you cannot operate at an optimum level. So that is why that gender-based violence has a huge, huge impact, not only on the South African
1: economy, but also on the global economy. Give us some of the highlights uh, that came through from the summary. I mean, the healthcare costs alone are enough to curdle your stomach.
0: Yeah, I think what we try to... to uh, do with this report this time around, Michelle, is that there are lots of reports on the economic, on the cost of gender-based violence. I think in 2015, McKinsey did a report, and that was before COVID, where they uh, their findings shared that we can add I think, yeah, the amount was 12 trillion US dollars to the global GDP if we can address gender inequality. And, and, and I think that there was the KPMG report from 2014. You know, there was a PWC report. There's so many reports on the actual cost of, 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 gen, of gender-based violence. Yet we see so little action taken and so little change from that perspective. But just to go back to what you said on the estimated healthcare cost of this. So, you know, we, we looked at it because we wanted to look at the human impact of gender based violence, specifically in the workplace as well, because it happens everywhere. So so um, what we what we highlighted or what Prof Christoph Delal from the University of Mid Sweden highlighted was that the you know the, the over in, in twenty nineteen, and this is not even this is before COVID started, you know, the, 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 the health costs uh, with the actual human cost, you know, um, from a business perspective was something like 36 billion rand. You know, in the report itself. So that that includes the out-of-pocket medical costs for our GDV victims, because that's almost 10 billion. Was it in 2019? You know, of people going to the doctor, taking time, or having to travel to the doctor. You know, and it's just, it's Michelle. It is time for us to stand up and actually address gender-based violence from a private sector perspective, because government. NGOs and civil society is not getting addressed.
1: Yeah, in those healthcare costs, you talk to things like um, out-of-pocket medical costs, capital loss, human capital loss. So, yeah. which is estimated at twenty-six billion judicial costs. I mean, yeah. those numbers are absolutely massive. One of the other things that uh, uh, that that comes through is, and you've mentioned this now, is this idea of how do we look at the reporting of it, but also multi-sectoral partnerships and collaboration that we need to see, as you say, private sector getting involved. Talk to us about um, the response that you're getting from private sector on this. I think it's, it's, it's um, you know, if I look at who our partners was, I mean, you know,
0: uh, Ignatius and then from KPMG, you know, the CEO, plus, of Mervyn, was the I think that that what we we've, we've been asking is for private sector to actually almost you know to now put a stake in the ground and show us. And this is what we want to do with this research. So I haven't had. That much. I mean, from a media perspective, I've had very, I had really great response. But from a from a private sector perspective, I'm waiting for that response because the the response is going to be in the delivery, in the action that's going to be taken. Because for us, what we said is that our intention with this report, you know, and it was it's also our hopes and our prayers that these findings will shift male leadership mindsets, you know. Mm. And 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 influence them to to look at their organisations and address GDB related system and policy change because yeah. that's what we want to do with this report because the private sector has to show us because they have the resources the capacity and the power
1: to change economies forever. So all um all businesses need to put out an annual report and just for clarity to our listeners there's also something called an integrated report which includes things like environment social and governance so how is your organization operating in terms of the environment in terms of social in terms of governance and the question is and i think it was um prof mervyn king who suggested what would happen if you started reporting on your GBV awareness and prevention programs in your organisation as well, is this something that uh, you would argue for? Oh, I dream of it. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: have to say, it I keeps dream you of it. awake at night. <laughs> yeah, no, no, because actually, you know, uh, uh, Prof King, I think he said he's going to Madrid or something like that soon now to go and speak to all of the the, the big. Um, you know, organizations and also to, to um, like, the IFP, he said, and and SASB, you know, all of these organizations that are responsible for going up, uh, going up these reporting guidelines. So, so he's going to speak to them. And, and, and what he said to me on the day, and I think he also said it there on the day as well, is he is going to try and motivate for them to include, you know, all of this in the reporting of organisations because I dream of that. Because the, the sad thing is that that the companies will not do it, you know, voluntarily. Mm. You you have to you've got to put the the you know the legislation in place in order for, for, to make companies accountable because it is about gender equality. And it's it's about gender equality for all, and that's SDG number five from the UN Sustainable Development Goals.
1: Yeah, we do have to go to a break, but when we come back from the break, um, I'd like to talk to you about one of the um, the the points, the findings or recommendations that came out of it, with regards to patriarchal ideology, and we'll explain that in a moment.
0: Thought Leaders, Storytellers and Griots, sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week.
1: We're chatting to Tiki Barnard, the um, CEO and founder of Shared Value Africa Initiative, uh, CVAI. And uh, she is one of the drivers of a research project and report which came out. It was put together in collaboration with the University of Johannesburg and uh, Mid-Sweden University. It was supported by KPMG South African And it looks at the costly impact of GBV. One of the key findings was around um, patriarchal ideology. So I'm going to simplify that down. Often you find that there are microaggressions that come from men towards women. So they may call you my dear or my girl in an attempt to minimize your world they may also um you know it's interesting i'm listening to the ad that we have on the show and, uh, and, and on the station and i absolutely guess you strike the woman you strike the rock and yet um and then it goes on to talk about the resilience of women the very nature why should women continue to be more and more resilient surely this is a time for men to take a long hard look and and really address the issue as opposed to women constantly having to address their resilience and be stronger. Tiki, when you talk about um, patriarchal ideology, are those the kinds of things you're looking at? Are those the kinds of things that we're seeing in the corporate sector? <clears throat> I think
0: sadly, you know, patriarchal you know, a patriarchal ideology perpetuates the privilege of masculinity yes. so that's really what it boils down to you know it, and, and, and the thing is for us from a from from a report perspective and, and look at, at some of the employee you know the employee survey that we did is that there's a lot of education that needs to happen within this part as well because I think for us Michelle we've been taught as women by society for centuries. You know what I mean? That the that the males are the strong ones. Yet we we ask women all the time to step up and be strong. You know, yeah, you strike and, and, the woman, you strike yeah, the rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have to be strong all all the time. But my thing is, when we look at the private sector, because this is what this report focuses on, is is on the private sector. Is that you need you as a CEO? And I think it was uh, Bunang that said it. It's a simple thing. Gender, you know, when you look at um, uh, equal pay, go in on Monday morning as a CEO, and I think you heard that when you were there. He said, draw, draw, you, go to your HR department and ask them to bring in all your salaries. Then look at the people that are doing the same jobs and see if the women are getting
1: equal pay. Oh, I think I'm going to go to our station manager for that.
0: Uh oh, uh oh, 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 something now, yeah. Because you know, when we when we when we look at it, I mean, PwC did a report in 2020 that 5.8 percent of JSE listed companies are run by women. But please don't tell me that there are no women CEOs around that are capable of running, you know, another 30 percent of the listed companies. But it's so entrenched in us, you know, from a societal perspective that we sometimes we we don't even realize how deep. Yeah it really is yeah you know, and so yeah i think i think also for me the other thing as well that pwc report also highlighted is that only 15 percent of the top executives at these jsc listed companies are women and when we unpack it a little bit all your your organizational decisions are making are made at that fifteen percent where they're only fifteen percent women level, which is the operational level of an organisation, and that's where we need women because women need to have a say in you know in in the boardroom. They really have to.
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting. I'm sure there are many women listening to this. I mean, I've experienced it uh, in decades of uh, being in the corporate world in different uh, personas. And there are many situations where someone will just pat you on the shoulder and say, oh, don't worry, my dear, if like something really horrible has happened (laughs) or like something inappropriate. Just don't worry. And a tap on the back and then, you know, a little bit of like maybe even body shaming in the process. Um, I think that women are, uh, we we need to be shouting it off the rooftops that it starts with something small and then you plant the seed. And that's really where we need to be thinking differently. And I think, as you say, that sits in the business and corporate space as well. In closing, and I think that this um, r- reach, uh, what we've just spoken about, talks out about so much, is that we do need to see more education and awareness training. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. are, is this yeah. something that you're going to start pushing for the corporates that you work with, proactive um Education focusing on um, uh, cultures that are often male centric, etc. How does that education take place? Absolutely, um, uh, Michelle. It's a great, great point because the thing is, what
0: was clear in the in the employee survey was that people want to know more. They want to know more because a lot of people don't understand gender-based violence. They think it's only about violence. Do you know what I mean? But there's emotional. There's there's economic, you know, there's all of these different types of gender-based violence, and in the workplace, sexual harassment—that's gender-based violence, you know. Yeah. So 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 the the thing is, what we want to do from a training perspective, I think, also what we want to try and and, and um, hi, sort of try and push within our community from a shared value perspective, is that we're going to be looking at looking at organizations to ask them, what is their gender equality strategy? You know, what are they doing in the workplace consciously? Because for me, just, um, you know, saying, oh, we employ 65% women. Isn't that good enough? No, no, no. I'm sorry, Mr. CEO. It's not good enough. What percentage of that 65% of women actually have some sort of, um, you know, executive position where they also have a say on what happens on a day-to-day basis yeah. because that's where, we, where we're struggling because I've said the CEO says, oh, you know, we employ so many women. No, no, no. That's not what we want to know. We want to know what are those women doing. Yeah. Position,
1: okay, Tiki, know? we're going we're gonna to leave it there. Your line seems to be cracking up. If people want to read this report or at least the summary, how do they find the information? They find it on our website
0: www.s for sugar, v for victory, a for Anne and i for ingrid.africa. Okay. So it's, it's on our website. Please go and read it. And please, all of the business people, especially women that listening this morning, please go and read it. We have the right. It's a human right that we have to. Gender equality is a human right.
1: We need to go for it. <laughs> Tiggy Barnard, she's the CEO of the Shared Value Africa Initiative and if you would like to see that report, at least read the summary just give yourself some insights and expand your brain a little bit. It's uh, www.svai.africa and you can find all the information there that you'd like. Kat saying in this new South Africa, what on earth are we supposed to call each other if we're not personally familiar Uh If we're not personally familiar and without using ma'am, which is so formal and could be patronizing. Yes, that is patronizing, I suppose, as well. I don't know. It depends on you. I don't know. She says, I use my dear because it seems kind, but people are so quick to take offense to innocent or ignorant comments nowadays. Please advise. So Kat, I wouldn't be able to answer that for sure. But my thoughts around it would be that um, if you're saying my dear to someone um, as a woman, and you're saying it to another woman, um, well, you would need to engage in that conversation. But it often happens when it is, um, it often is a man who says it to a woman. And that is often considered to be a microaggression in itself. We're going to go to a break and hopefully when we come back, we'll get to our second thought leader.